0: Welcome to Small Business Talk, episode 164. Today, we're going to play you an interview that I did with Adam Bud. Adam and I spoke about how marketing and sales collide, and I thought you'd really like to listen to it. It was a great interview with lots of nuggets and lots of great tips. So looking forward to playing that for you. SBT audience, enjoy your journey.
1: Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending
0: years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Cathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. So welcome everybody. Today, my special guest is Adam Budd. Adam, would you like to um, tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks, Kathy. Yes, um, I've been in sales um, since I can remember. It's going to be 30 years of sales, um, sales management, sales training. I've owned my own businesses before, both traditional and non-traditional, and um, have uh, have sold many products and services over the years, tangible, intangible, um i've sold face to face i've sold over the phones i've sold on stage i've sold online um i've sold i've sold to uh, tier one corporates at the uh, ceo levels right down to mum and dad consumers um in both wholesale and retail um industries so um i've had a fair bit of experience in sales and it's it's what i do and it's what i love and um and, uh, and doing things in a different way now to how we've been taught is, uh, is my passion.
0: Fantastic. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Cathy Smith. I'm the Attraction Maven from Catco Enterprises. And my passion is making sure that your marketing money actually makes you money. And when I say that, people say, well, of course it should. Yes, of course it should. But for a lot of small businesses, unfortunately, it doesn't. They spend an awful lot of money on things that are not tailored to their business and not actually going to move their business ahead. So Adam and I thought we'd get together today and have a little bit of a chat about how marketing and sales collide and how to fix it and how to make it work. So I'll throw it over to you, Adam.
1: I'll get the ball rolling, Kathy. Um so where does marketing and sales collide? I think it collides because, um, well, they're they're not aligned to begin with, and and I actually just did a Facebook live about this um, a moment ago, um, which is ironic that we're talking about it again now. Um, but the way that I see things is the marketing world has all been about what can we do to get more leads, and let's just throw everything out into their into their the big net out into the sea and just sort of see what what comes of that. Um, that scattergun approach um, is how many businesses, particularly small businesses, uh, operate from. And the challenge with that is that you're not actually attracting buyers. So what I've then learned over the years through my own trial and error in marketing is that I'm taught to look for an avatar. Who's my ideal client? And I've Paint this amazing picture of of who I think that is, from my mind, and and I don't know about the marketers out there. This might ruffle a few feathers, but that's that's okay, because um, it's great to have a point of difference in how we operate. So, to me, an avatar is a fake person. So, if we're advertising to a fake person, that person doesn't exist either. So, we are pretending to advertise something to someone that does not exist, and that also can't work long term, because what are we selling to who? So the way that um, that I think marketing must move forward in in, in in the future is all about authentically connecting. So we can increase, increase our sales conversions if the people that we're talking to have got an authentic connection to us. And um, from a sales perspective, Um, sales is not what we do, but it's actually an extension of who we are. So when we understand that it's an extension of who we are, then what we must do is take who we are into our marketing so that the very first connection that someone has is a connection of who we are, not what we do. Once they trust who we are, then they're going to ask, what do you do? And that's when the conversation can start to happen in a much more organic way without the friction. And when I say without the friction, I'm talking about the ridiculous amount of touch points that people need now. And that and those touch points are for those that aren't aware, um, the latest that I've heard anyway, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kathy, is that people need to see you twenty-one times um, before, they rem- before they before they remember 21 times before they remember you seven actual interactions before they trust you enough to want to do business. So that's 28 times we need to connect with someone. Now, there's billions of people on the planet, and if we need to connect with them all 28 times to, for them to buy, how do you do that? So Exactly. Uh, and that's why, in my mind, there is a massive disconnect between sales and marketing because sales is all about traditionally going for the kill, lead, sell, lead, sell, lead, sell. Whereas marketing is all about attracting them, but not actually attracting the right people because of all these reasons that I've just shared.
0: Absolutely. And I love that you've mentioned that because a lot of people do say go for the avatar, whereas you really need to look at your best client and the person that is going to make you that the the best sales so it may be a case of that person is somebody that you really like to deal with they're easy to deal with they love what you do and they're going to really promote you as a great supplier and a great source and be able to solve um, their problem The, the other thing is that people do the scattergun approach because they're not really sure about who their customers are and who they should be looking at. So they get this wonderful avatar from their point of view, but not their customer's point of view. And at the end of the day, if we don't have customers, we don't have marketing or sales. So that can be a, a real major disconnect there as well. I love that you brought up the 21 touch points because it really does depend on where they're at in their buyer's journey. Some people will buy with one touch point. If you think about you sitting in your your kitchen, you've just walked in and there's water going everywhere, you're going to need a plumber. You're not going to do 21 touch points before you get to ring a, a plumber on an emergency. Sometimes for some people, it might take literally years for them to progress along that buyer's journey it might be a case that they want to buy a house but they don't have all the preset finances and everything else set up but they're doing their research they're making things happen along the way so it could literally take years before they they go so yes that's a a great average and um, it would take an awful long time if we had to do 21 plus 7 for everything Um, but quite often if we're doing it authentically and doing it well we can shorten that quite considerably.
1: Yeah, I agree. So how, how do you, I mean, obviously you come from a marketing world, I come from the sales world. So how do you, with the marketing that you do with your clients, um, take that and I suppose execute it?
0: So first of all, you, you really do need to know who you're selling to and who's likely to buy. So people decide that they, they would like to sell to a particular sector so does that sector actually have the problem that you're solving? Do they have the money to buy your product? If you're a, a high-end car um, salesperson and you're wanting to, to sell to Um, people that maybe just bought that first home, they're not going to have the income to be able to buy that car. So you need to be looking at who you're actually selling to, you get people that really want to sell into a a not for profit space. And once again, is that somewhere that you can actually make money? Or do you need to look at a sponsor that can be the the middleman almost to to speak to be helping those people? Um, Things like homelessness is a great cause but those people aren't going to be able to um, buy your product. But somebody else might be able to buy it on their behalf or to actually pay for it. So first of all, you've got to think about who it is that you're actually selling. Will your solution solve their problem? And are they able to buy it from you?
1: Mm. Yeah, great tips, great tips. And when do people need to do that? Is that before they start their business, during their business? Like how do you... How do you educate your clients around that?
0: It can be both. So sometimes it is definitely before they start their business because there's no point putting all this time and money into getting this fantastic sales system set up if you don't actually have a client. And you Mm. see that a lot. People have this really great idea. It's something that they thought they would like to have and they've asked their friends and family and they've got really excited. Unfortunately, your friends and family are the, the worst target audience because... They're either going to be very critical or they're going to be very supportive. But nine times out of 10, they're not actually going to be buying your product. So think about getting some market research much further out than that. So yeah, setting it up before you start the business, it's important, but Also checking in along the way, because as we know over these last three years, things have changed so much. So businesses change, customers change, and solutions change. So what used to be a great thing, so look at what's happening with Netflix at the moment. They used to be the only one in that sector. They used to be fantastic, but they haven't kept up with what's going on. There's so many other streaming services available now. So now they're talking about putting ads on. We've all gone away from commercial TV because of the ads. Do they think that's going to work? Time will tell. I would suggest Mm. not.
1: No, no, I agree. (laughs) That that always fascinated me with pay TV, how we had to pay for our ads when um, Foxtel and Optus, back in the days, that's what they were doing. Absolutely.
0: So when we're thinking about marketing, we also have to have the sales component. Because it's no point bringing in all these leads and being able to solve the person's problem with your solution, but not actually being able to execute it. So if you can't give them the option to buy, for instance, so you might be doing all this education, maybe paying for some ads, getting them to your landing page, and there's no buy button, total waste of money.
1: No buy button. No, no follow up systems. No procedures in place. Um, a, a complete disconnect on who's supposed to be handling what and and all that stuff. And and I agree with you, Cathy. I, I see so much money invested into generating the leads, um, yet so little money invested into learning how to connect and communicate with those leads and how to nurture those leads and how to how to turn those leads into you know sales but not only turn them into sales, but turn them into raving fans that become your next form of marketing. You know, what people forget is that we all, we see this all the time where it's all about the instant, we live in a world of instant gratification, right?
0: We certainly do.
1: And that is exactly how people go about business. What can I get right now from you that's going to give me what I want? As opposed to looking at that long-term value of all the effort that's been put in on the front end to generate that lead, now that lead could be an ongoing marketing machine for you forever. Yes, so your cost per lead is halved. It's 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 just dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. Um, the conversion rates on sales that are coming to you, particularly when when people rebuy, and and this is a you can tell you've done your job well. If that customer has rebought from you, yes, and and not only once but twice, three times, four times, you know, if they are doing business with you long term, that means that you're servicing them the right way. Um, one of the things that most business owners forget is that whilst they're going straight for the transaction right now, they forget that the person they're talking to, like I'm talking to you right now, Kathy, um, I'm not talking to Kathy Smith. I'm actually talking to Kathy Smith's network, and Kathy Smith's network is 150 people. So, if I'm servicing Kathy properly, regardless of whether I make money from Kathy and we ever do a transaction together, but if I'm servicing Kathy with the right intentions, Kathy is talking to her her network about me. Yes. I spoke to Adam. He does sales training. I actually didn't do anything with him personally for a range of different reasons, but I highly recommend him because of XYZ. Yes. Or I've done business with Adam and I keep doing business with Adam and because of that, I highly recommend him because of XYZ. Um, so if we're talking about conversions, that one ad that you might have put up that might have cost you $1,000 to generate 100 leads, let's say, as an example, and what does that work out? You're $10 a lead. Mm-hmm. Out of that $10, you might have found one customer that's made you $100,000, and their referrals have made you $100,000, and their referrals have made you 100000 So we're actually moving away from having to do that short-term transaction to that long-term viability of your business. And... One of the things that I saw when I was working as a business broker, Kathy, is that most small business owners actually don't have long-term sales funnels in place or sales systems in place or contracts in place where they're servicing the same clients for a long period of time. And their businesses aren't worth anything if they've got no future revenue coming through the door. So if you're in a position where you've done everything right on the front end and you can turn off your marketing on the front end and rely solely on the back end, that's an amazing place to operate from. However, that's not the best place to operate from because then there's no expansion in the world as well. So we need to have our fingers in a lot of different um, revenue streams that can come in for us. Um, So you've got to continue that upfront stuff, but you've got to work and nurture what's coming through your door properly so that that becomes a back end stuff.
0: Absolutely true. And that's the thing is that you can pay for ads and you can stand on any street corner and scream and yell as long as you like. But if you get somebody else who will vouch for you, who will recommend you, then that is so much more powerful than you just getting up there and saying, hey, I'm great. If you, like you said, if you get me to say, hey, Adam's great, that is so much more powerful. Even if I haven't worked with you, I'm saying you're great because of. So that's really important to know. And I love that you touched on the growth because, yes, you can be servicing your clients really well, but there's going to be some drop off, whether it's they're selling the business so they no longer need you whether they've moved into a different stage of their life. So they might have been buying baby products and and now their children are growing up, so they don't need that anymore. Maybe the children have gone completely. Maybe they're learning to drive, all these other things. There is going to be some drop-off along the way. So if you're not continuing to do your marketing to bring in more people, then you, there's no way you can possibly grow. And the best way, of course, to grow is for those people to re, be recommending to their network, to their audiences, to their friends and family, that you're the person to solve their problems.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, 100%. And I think, um, I think when we we're operating from that space, um, touch points are irrelevant. Yes. But but you know what else is also irrelevant? No. Price.
0: Absolutely, category one.
1: Category one. So people, um, people are not buying us on price. So when, um, when you understand the buyers, and I, and I speak about this with with a lot of my a lot of my work, there's, there's four different buyers out there. You got the person that has no interest in what you have to sell them. Yep. That's person number one. They're not interested. And they are 60% of the people that we're marketing to.
0: I'd say even higher.
1: Probably higher. The next group of people are people that know they want something but aren't sure what that is. And that's 20% of that group. So these are people that, and when I say buyers are already educated, because of the internet, they've already done their research. So you spoke about a plumber before They've already done research very quickly because of the power of the internet. The power of the internet's going to show three people. They're just going to pick one of those three people or two of those people, whoever's available, through two or three phone calls. First one to answer the phone, the first one who's polite about it. It's like if I've got an emergency and I ring a plumber and I've got a voicemail saying we're open between eight and four. See ya. Keep going. Keep going. But if I've got a plumber that's gone, oh, look, I've just finished my day. I've had a really busy day do you mind if I have a quick shower and then come over no thank you because we're talking to you as an individual you've answered my call and you've understood that this is important and you're prepared to give me some of your valuable time even though you've clocked off I greatly appreciate that
0: definitely so
1: 20 percent of the marketplace know they need something but don't know exactly what it is and our job as salespeople is to problem solve And I'm talking, when I say salespeople, I'm talking business owners as well, particularly small business owners. We get paid for providing a solution to someone's needs or wants, okay? And that's it. Um, So once we're in that problem-solving mode to try and identify what the problem is and then we can relay that back to them um, so that we've got some understanding, happy days, the the trust is there. 17% of the people uh, in the marketplace right now uh, think they know what they want they've done their research but they just have a couple of qualifying questions to make sure that they're making the right decision for them and if we can help them with that then they will buy. Three percent of the marketplace know exactly what they want they're the ones that you're talking about before they've done their research they're well educated they know what they want. this is you and me we're going on Dr. Google and we're looking for whoever's got the cheapest price because, It's a price war out there and we buy the cheapest one because we already know what we want. However, when we're working from that other space, I think someone's decided to do their lawns, (laughs) Um, it's not a price war. It's not about price and we don't need to undervalue our value. And the biggest problem that I see with business owners is that they're so desperate to get the sale that they'll get the sale at any cost. And when they're getting the sale at any cost, they are actually devaluing their products, their services and their experience.
0: Absolutely. And they end up quite often losing their business because they haven't done the sums right to work out what the cost of sale is, what they need to be selling it for. And then often other people get wind of the fact that they have discounted it. And then they go, well, why can't I get that? And I mean, software providers are, notorious for doing that. If you're a new customer, you come in at a much cheaper rate than the loyal customers that are continuing to pay much higher and have been for some time, which is very, very frustrating for customers. And that's when they start Chopping and changing and jumping around. That's right. So it's really important. And I love also the way that you said that business owners are salespeople. Well, basically, we're all salespeople. If you're not a salesperson, then you're not selling the product, the service, and the the problem solving that your business provides. So therefore, what are you doing in business? Everybody's a salesperson.
1: Everybody's a doctor is a salesperson. Yes, and, and why do I say a doctor is a salesperson? Well, as soon as a doctor gives you a recommendation and you agree with their recommendation, they have actually sold you on that recommendation. So a doctor is a salesperson. A mechanic is a salesperson. A lawyer is a salesperson. They're the best salesperson. They charge per minute. Jeez. <laughs> Lawyers. Um, but the, everybody's in sales. The difference is some actually just do it for a living. And what I, what I see with small business owners is the reason that their businesses don't go the way that they want is because they don't want to be seen as the salesperson. They think they can't sell. They've been told they're no good at it. Um, they don't want to be sleazy. They don't want to do the wrong thing. They just want to focus on what they do best, um, but they forget that people are coming to them, not because of their staff. They're coming to them because of them. And we need to really educate business owners on, on being better on that front 100% to to increase their bottom lines.
0: Definitely. And if you've got a, a solution to somebody's problem, so quite often you hear the analogy of the doctor. If you're unwell and you go to the doctor and he says, oh, no, sorry, I can't help you, then you're not going to be very impressed. You're going to either go to another doctor or you're going to be asking around and saying, hey, what's going on here? But as business owners, that's what we do. We say, hey, we've got this great solution for your problem, but we're not going to sell it to you because we don't want to be icky. We don't want to push it on you. We don't want to suggest that maybe this is what would actually help you. And then we go, well, business is not working. I can't get customers. But there we are with everything that we've got that could help that person, but we're not using it. So I think we've really got to flip the mindset about sales being icky and pushy and car salesman and sleazy and all those sort of things and think of it as adding value. If we can add value to that person and to that business or whatever our solution solves, then why wouldn't you do it?
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly. And the reason for that is because they have had a bad experience in the past because of a dodgy salesperson. Yes, that's the bottom line. Yeah. We've the the reason that people suffer from buyer's remorse is because they've been taken on a, an emotional journey. So human beings, and this is the marketing companies have been very clever with this, but I think now they're getting caught out. It's it's like the media. We all know that it's not true, <laughs> so, but they they are they are sucking people in on emotion, and then people buy on emotion. They go away and they justify their decision once they've come out of that state with logic. Why did I just do that? Yep. And then they don't want to be the people that do that to their end customer, so they actually do the complete opposite. Um, they've also been on the receiving end of being forced to buy something, and I know that because I was that commission salesperson for many years where, you know, we would lock the door behind them. We wouldn't let them leave until they signed up, you know, and it was that's that business still happens today. And because of that, Um, people are are reluctant to buy. They're reluctant to making decisions. They're afraid that they're going to make another bad decision because they've made that bad decision before. And that's why touch points have gone through the roof, Kathy,
0: Yes, absolutely. And quite often it's not the fault of the product that it is a bad decision. It's quite often that follow-up, like what we started talking about at the beginning of this, is that they've done all their marketing, they've got them in, they've made the sale, but now they're not doing the delivery. So the person has bought and they've put their credit card in and then they hear crickets and they go, oh, have I been scammed? What's going on? And then it's the... Logic, but it's an emotional logic because we're running through all the worst case scenarios. Whereas, if you get that follow up email to say, Hey, Adam, really excited that you bought from us. That's great. This is what the sequence is going to be. Tomorrow, you're going to get another email. This is da 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 da. Then we're happy. We know that we've made the right decision and we know that we've been supported. So we've got the marketing aspects, we've got the sales aspects, but we've also got to make sure that the delivery follows up to back up everything we've said in our marketing and everything we've said in our
1: sales. 100%. And that's where the message um, at the beginning of this um, call that I said needs to be congruent all the way through. So when, when, when we're marketing to that end person, we need to be talking to them in the same tone in the same words, in the same language, with the same energy that they're going to get if they are a paid customer. Definitely. and And where the sales actually begin, I've always been a believer that the sale is not made when the money's in the bank. No. The sale is made after the money's in the bank. And it's all that other stuff that we then now need to over-deliver with value so that they believe that the money that they, in their mind, because I could associate $5,000 as nothing, but the next person to me could associate $5,000 as everything. Yes. So the perceived value on something needs to be that whatever we pay, if we've over-delivered on the back end, then happy customer.
0: Absolutely. And that perceived value is really, really important because it's not about the price. It's about a value. So people will always remember the value of something, but they may not remember the price. They'll remember the price if they didn't get the value because that's the disconnect. So then they'll go, oh, I've been overcharged. I've been scammed. It wasn't what I wanted. And then they'll start going back to the price. But, I mean, look at things like Apple um, phones, People pay exorbitant amount of money for those. Are they better than any of the others? Probably not. But they've got that cult following. They've got that value. Oh, you're an iPhone user. You must be the next step above and all of this sort of thing because they've built that into the value. So when they bring out a new one, people don't ask how much it's going to cost. They ask when it's going to be available.
1: Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's so many nuggets of gold in here that I think if someone sat down and went through each little point could really um, turn their business on a dime.
0: Absolutely. And if they would like to know more about you, Adam, where do they look you up?
1: Thanks, Cathy. Uh, I can be found on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, the Authentic Sales Training Academy. Um, My phone number and um, email address is all on the website. It's a really long one, but it's the writing behind me, the Authentic Sales Training Academy.com. Um, and, um, and yeah, so Facebook, Instagram, and website.
0: Fantastic. And I can be found at catcoent.com.au. So that's C A T C O E N T.com.au. And if you want to know how your marketing's going, why don't you take my quiz? So that's catcoent.com.au forward slash quiz. And that will give you an idea about how your marketing's going. And yes, I'm on all the socials as well. So look me up anywhere there. So thank you very much for your time, Adam. Appreciate you and your knowledge. And like you said, there is lots of little nuggets of gold here. So remember to watch it a couple of times so that you can get all the points.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate you making this happen, Cathy. It's been fun hanging out with you today.
0: Thank you, Adam, and we must do it again soon. See you, guys. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode. Take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.